Blog Talk Radio. Your host, your friend, as always, Tazapah. 
I'm joined this morning once again by my wife, Pastor Diet, in the building. Hello. I'd like to say shalom to the 12 tribes worldwide, man. Welcome to another information-packed field episode of Bible Talk, sponsored by ISBHPK. Want to send shouts out to our brothers here in San Antonio. Also to the brothers down in H-Town, man, and I want to say the water, which means thank you in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew, to the brother, the brothers, Quatazop, um, Lakarab, Shabbat, for doing an excellent, excellent, excellent job of hosting the summit this weekend, y'all, man. If you were not there, you missed out on a great opportunity to fellowship and to see Israelites come from all over the country, man. And I mean, I do mean all over the country to see those brothers that you, you've been seeing on YouTube for years or what have you. It was, uh, it was a star studded event. <laughs> I mean, if I can put it in, in those words, man, you had, and I say start uh study the event because you had Israelite stars or Israelite celebrities, I should say. <laughs> and I, yeah. Even the scriptures say we just we stars anyway. You read that in Genesis. But uh, you had the brothers uh Sakari was in the building, uh, the brother uh Gorilla Hebrew, uh Alazar was in the building. You also had the brother, I forget the brother's name, from um, Ambassadors of Christ was in the building. So, yeah, man, there were some brothers that uh, you see all over YouTube. You had a, had the chance to meet those brothers, to ride with those brothers, um, to check out, man. I know for me, um, I haven't been to a summit, man since the one they had here in San Antonio. And that was probably over 10 years ago, y'all. So it's been a minute since I've attended a summit, man. But it was very refreshing, man. Uh, It was very refreshing. It was very uh, enlightening to see Israel, like I said, from all over over the country, even though, uh, you know, some of us don't have the same doctrines and the same customs and traditions that uh, others may have. Still unified in the fact that we believe in the Most High, we believe in Christ, we keep the law, statutes, and commandments to the best of our abilities. But to see the different flavors that brothers would add to, you know, their camp and 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 the book and our customs and our heritage, man, that was. A, tr- a real treat to see, man. And it didn't let you know that you ain't the only one, you know. You're not the only one in your, you know, your little city, your little area that's trying to live right, man, that's trying to do the right thing, that's trying to be righteous. You know, like I said, it was very inspiring, man. And then sisters came out as well and the, excuse me, <clears throat> the children came out, man, and that, that's always delightful to see the children coming up 
in this knowledge, man. Just I know this one little little girl, he had on a full tunic. <laughs> what a girl, girded up. It, it, and, it, and it was matching, and it was a bad look woman he had on, man. But that was really uh, a treat to see. Shouts out to the uh, Masharai Yasha Allah uh, for, for uh, conducting it, for doing their thing, for doing what they do. I've been told that, uh, and this is what I was told. It hasn't been verified. I was speaking with the brother Bam out of uh, Tampa. Shouts out to you, brother. Pleasure meeting you. Pleasant brother, man. Um, my uh, Metallite brother from the tribe of Metali, uh down in Tampa. He reminded me so much of Taiwan, man, here in San Antonio. Like, he had the same spirit on him, same facial expression. Uh, he even sounded like Taiwan a little bit. Taiwan is Asher. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, Mother Bam is Natalie. And it's Colombia and um, Argentina, which is right next to each other, y'all. <laughs> but, uh, I was rapping with him, and he was saying that uh, he was probably going to host the next one down in Tampa. I'm looking forward to that, and I believe uh, that will be in July. Mashaba will have more information. Uh, he he does great with the uh, announcements and things of that nature. Hold on, y'all. I got text coming in. Okay, Mashaba sending out the thread. The water, brother. Also, I was trying to do that, my bad. Uh met another Israelite brother uh, here at the same time. Man, I forget the brother's name. I got the brother's information. I apologize. I'm going to have to go back after the show and look through my phone and try to figure out this brother's name and stuff and send him the link to the show so he can check the show out. Brother told me he'd been uh, operating here in San Antonio by himself, man. Uh, but anyway, man. Uh, great travels, great experience, great weekend, man. Um, hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody had a good uh, Sabbath, good Shabbat. Um, so let's start off, get into it, y'all, <clears throat> like we normally do. And I have, did have an update, too, for y'all. If Mashallah haven't told y'all, the brother Thawam is out of the hospital. All praises to the most high for that. Um, the brother is out. And he's doing well. Uh, the water, thank everybody for their thoughts, their prayers for the brother. But I do want to ask brothers and sisters to continue to pray for uh, Mashabah's in-laws uh, because they they really need the prayer. And the water for everybody for keeping them in your thoughts and prayers. So let's get this, y'all. Let's get uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom the, and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it, man. This is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily so we can get the hell up out of this place, man. 
because Lord knows we need to, man. All right, let's get uh, Psalms chapter 118 and verse 24. Mm-hmm. You got it? Yeah. This is the day. All right, glory to this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to it, the most high to bring you through it, and you'll come out better, side because of it, y'all. All right, y'all. So uh, if it's your first time tuning into the show, man, welcome to uh, Bible Talk. And what I usually do, man, I do about an hour of current events and news, and uh, then I go into my topic. I didn't send, uh, Charlotte, I'm sorry, but I ain't sending you the uh, the title for last night's show. That's why it says this Tyler Pops Tuesday, y'all, but this is actually a continuation from the series that I've been doing entitled Never Wax Pale, and I believe this is the third installment dealing with the captivity of the Southern Kingdom, also known as the uh, three-and-a-half tribes, that being Judah, Benjamin, and half the tribe of Levi, or a portion of the Levites. We have already covered the Northern Kingdom and then going into captivity and coming over to the Americas. Y'all can go back and catch that. Um, Never Wax Tale, and I forgot the title, man. But it's in the uh, Blog Talk archives. We're on several uh, platforms. You remember the platform talk today? Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. The Shabbat got him, man. He announces them all the time. So last week, man, um, I got some information in about the brother uh, Tyree Nichols. May he rest in peace. Condolences, condolences to his family. Uh, <clears throat> I got some information that, from my research that I've gathered, was just rumors and not accurate. They were not true, y'all, about him dealing with uh, one of the officer's wives and that being the uh, reason he caught the beat down and then eventually uh, died. Uh, check out several sources that say different. different. Um, so with that said, man, let's get Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 16. Leviticus 19:16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer. What does it say? Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer. As a talebearer. Now, let's break this down. Let's look that up real quick. Let's look the word talebearer up. Because, you know, many of us probably never even heard of this word. So let's look it up for edification purposes so we can understand what the scripture is talking about. Talebearer. One that spreads gossip or rumors. The one that does what? Spreads gossip or rumors. You're just running around gossiping. You're spreading rumors. What was that, uh, Club Nubo? Look at all these rumors. I can't take it no more. You're gossiping. You're spreading rumors, whether truths or untruths. Is that all you got for the definition? Mm, yeah. Let's right, go back to the description. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among now, now, this is a law. Remember, this is a law we're reading. It says, thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer. Don't go all around spreading rumors. 
telling people business, bumping your gums. This is a commandment, y'all. So for whoever spread the rumor about this dude, of course they didn't know this. <laughs> but, and then for us that are running around, spreading rumors, gossiping, sitting up, we ain't got nothing to do. We just on the phone every day gossiping. We ain't got no job. Our life is miserable, and we just ain't got nothing else to do but to talk about people and be, be in other people's business. For y'all, too. Read that again. Thou shalt not go up and down a pale bearer among thy people. Don't do it. The Most High said not to do this. And like I said, this is a law, but our people don't even know the law. Our people be the main ones running around talking about the laws done away with. And and a lot of this gossiping and tailbearing really goes on in the church. That's where it's done the most at. Now get Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. You know, and the scripture tells us, to matter of fact, before you do that, give me a little bit of 4 and 6. Hosea 4 and 6. Mm-hmm. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So the scripture says our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but what knowledge are we destroyed for? For not knowing the most highest law, statutes, and commandments. Did you know it was a law against gossiping? Did you know that? <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of our people didn't know that, but just think if we knew that and we were brought up with that law of not gossiping, how many people would have not been in harm's way off some he say, she say crap? How many people uh, would have not had their homes broke up over some gossip? Just think about that, y'all, for a minute. You see how the, how not knowing the law is so detrimental to our everyday lives? But these people swear and try to pull all the unlearned, unedified uh, um, scriptures uh, in the New Testament about how the law is done away with and all this other crap, man. Straight nonsense. Not reading things in context and not just basically not understanding the Bible as a whole. All right, let's get Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. 18 and 8. Mm-hmm. The words of a tale bearer. The words of a who? Of a tale bearer. Somebody who gossips. Three. Are as wounds. They are what? As are as wounds. They cause damage. That, that gossiping that he said, that he say, that I think you know this. That stuff causes damage, y'all. That's destructive. It tears down kingdoms. It tears, it tears down families. It tears down, tears down households. Is that it? And they go down into to the innermost parts of the belly. Those boomers go down to their to your soul, into your spirit, man, and they affect you. We have people talking crap about you that ain't true, and you ain't there to defend yourself. That that affects you. That how you feel in some kind of way. That get, that gets people angry. That gets people upset. So when they see the people that's talking stuff about them, they want to put their hands on them. This is why the scripture, the law of Leviticus tells us not to do it. It's detrimental 
to our relationships. Hell, it's detriment. It can can be detrimental to your health because people want to put hands on you for talking crap about them. That is not truth. All right, so I just wanted to deal with that. Go here. <laughs> this is funny, man. I had to get this one. Uh, I guess for comic release, comedic purposes, I guess. <laughs> Read the headlines to this. This is very funny. Reported on CNN.com. Aramark apologized for insensitivity of school lunch served on first day of Black History Month. <laughs> So this food distributor distributes some food on the first day of Black History Month. Now watch this, y'all. Read on. A middle school in New York and its food vendor, Aramark, apologized after students were served chicken and waffles along with watermelon on the, on the first day of Black History Month. Oh, my <laughs> uh, you know what's even more crazy how to die is the way you pronounce watermelon. <laughs> you said that real proper like. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Watermelon. 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 I just I I know I be butchering words and I just my bonnet along with my Midwest St. Louis accent sometimes be losing people. I know y'all had to suffer for the last week, but <laughs> she back, y'all. <laughs> um so this vendor in this middle school was serving niggas <laughs> chicken and waffles and watermelon. Mm. Watermelon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, let's get Deuteronomy 28, man Yeah, man This is, I guess, what you would call a tragic comedy I mean, but the Bible told us this, man And I, <laughs> our people just do not get it, man When you read this Bible And you read about how, especially You can start back Man, honestly, I have the whole Bible. But Mashaba did doing a series now on Savior. He was reading through the book of Judges, man. And I've read it before. Then you read through the book of Judges, man. It is very uh, despair, uh, very disheartening. And it's not encouraging. Because <laughs> all you read is, and the children of Israel did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord again. It's like a recurring thing, man. But I'm saying all this to say that our people really, we don't get it, y'all. We don't understand, man. And the Most High said that uh, we're, we're sottish children. And the word sottish means foolish. Man, that that's an understatement, man. We are the, the dumbest, simplest people on the face of the planet. And I say this because we don't understand who our enemy is, man. And we'll we'll get out on the street corner, uh, we'll teach YouTube or whatever, and people constantly come against us and we talk about the so called white man. And they just trying to steady defend this dude and they wanna be a part of this society like he's always had our best interests in mind. 
that people are people, love is love, and all this other nonsense, man. Our people just don't get it. Uh, so Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read verse 37. Deuteronomy 28 and 37. And thou shalt become an astonishment. This says, now, this is part of the curses, y'all. Matter of fact, let's read this in context. Jump up to verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the Lord, unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and all, overtake thee. All these what? Curses. All these curses. Look up the word curses. Let's slow this way down, man, in case somebody don't understand. Because we've been accused of taking scriptures out of context. We've been accused of slander. We've been accused of a lot of things. But the one thing that we do as Israelites is what the scriptures tell us to do in First Thessalonians chapter five and verse twenty one. Prove all things. That's one thing we hang our hat on. Curse. Yep. Curse. A prayer or invocation for harm or injury to come upon one. So curses, harm, or injury to come upon you is nothing good. Now, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, read verse 15 again. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments. To observe to do all his commandments or all his rules, y'all. God has rules. Okay, you just can't operate and do what you want to do. The Heavenly Father actually has rules. And when it says hearken, for us that, that have problems with old English, it means to listen. If we don't listen to the Most High's rules and keep them, he was going to cause curses, which is injury, to come upon us. What does everybody, everybody understand this? Read on the scripture. And his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. It says that these injuries, these curses are going to come upon us and overtake us, meaning to be overtook means there's no way out of it. You can't get around it. You can't get away from it. Take us for not listening. Now, it says we don't keep his, his commandments, which are rules. Then it says statutes. A statue is the punishment for breaking the rules. You know, just every state has this statue for a penal code, whatever, whatever, and then um, it's punishment behind that penal code for you breaking it. Well, the Most High has law, statutes, and commandments, too. And it's funny, too, that our people can understand that on a national level as it pertains to the American government and this laws. But we can't understand that God has laws. You can't operate in any society without rules. Come on, man. Even the streets have damn street codes, right? The street laws. Different communities have different rules set up, things you can do, things you can do. But we just, uh, we are just oblivious when we read about, oh, God didn't have any laws. You could just come as you are and worship God the way you want to. That's nonsense. You don't read that nowhere in the Bible. All right, so with that understanding that God gave us a set of laws, as and commandments to keep, 
and he gave us a penalty for us not keeping them. Let's read one of the penalties behind not keeping the law. Now let's go back to verse 37. And thou shalt become an astonishment. It says this was one of the penalties or injuries or punishment. We were going, his people, God's people were going to become an astonishment. Let's look up the word astonishment. I'm in a dictionary type mode today, y'all. Astonishment. A feeling of great surprise and wonder. So it says that God's people were going to be looked at like a what? A feeling of great surprise and wonder. People are going to be surprised and have great wonder over God's people. What else? Amazement. They were going to be amazed at God's people. This can't be talking about nobody else but us. They're going to be surprised, amazed. How do you people live like that? How did you people make it through all the turmoil, through all the um, psychological damage, through slavery, through Jim Crow, through uh, Project Housing, Section 8 Housing, uh, single-parent home, broken home? How did y'all make it through all of that? And also, man, how y'all jumped that high? How y'all got so much rhythm? <laughs> how y'all able to, to, to talk and, and to rhyme like that? Man, why do y'all dress like that? Why y'all have so much flavor? That's the astonishment to where now we've become entertainment. And I'm talking about the so-called, the so-called reality shows, which we know they are scripted, to where people are watching us on TV doing regular, ordinary day crap. <laughs> and be just in amazement. Now they want to be like us. I believe the term is wiggers. <laughs> White people trying to be niggas. That's the astonishment. Now we're entertainment. Read on in the scripture, please. <clears throat> a proverb and a byword. A what? Proverb and a byword. Now let's look up the word. By or proverb. Let's do that one first. <laughs> now remember, y'all, I'm reading all of this because of the chicken and waffles and watermelon thing. <laughs> proverb, a brief popular epigram or maxim. Oh, wait a minute. Those words are real big. I'm sorry. What's the epigram? An epigram. It is a concise poem dealing pointedly and often satirically with a single thought or event, and often ending with an ingenuous turn of thought. Ingenuous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not genuine. <laughs> Such as niggas being associated with chicken, <laughs> waffles, and watermelon. <laughs> you know, that stuff. Come on, man. <clears throat> the Bible holds true. Is that it for the definition for Proverbs? Mm-hmm. But the most I said, we were going to be known for these things. It's just like we're known for wearing a lot of gold. <laughs> we're known for dressing flamboyantly. These are things that are just associated with our people. I know uh, 
the nine and a half tribe, uh, the tribe of Ephraim. The so-called Puerto Ricans are known for wearing pointy-toe shoes. <laughs> well, they used to be anyway. The, the Bible holds true. It said we were going to be a proverb. And what else did it say? And a byword, correct? Mm-hmm. So look up, let's look up the word byword. Byword. A proverbial saying, one that personifies a type. Oh, my goodness. One that personifies a type? You mean like a stereotype? Black, why black people got big mouths or big lips, big noses? Why are black women loud? <laughs> Those type of stereotypes. Uh, just feed them niggas some chicken, some waffles, and some watermelon. They'll appreciate it because, you know, black people, they like that type of stuff. <laughs> Get a Mexican some tacos. <laughs> what was that... Uh, it was Dave Chappelle's show. He did a skit where he had, like, different types of music playing. <laughs> I think they were in a coffee house or something, man. But he had uh, Quest from Moose come in and play the drums. He played the drums, and niggas just got the groove, man. All the niggas got up and started dancing and partying. <laughs> then he had, um, I think it was John Mayer, somebody playing the guitar. And the niggas were like, what is that? And then they, they switched venues and went to, like, a Spanish restaurant or something. And he started playing their guitar. Then you see brothers in there doing salsa. And <laughs> they was jamming. <laughs> the most I said we were going to become a stereotype, y'all, or a byword, a word that we go by or a, a phrase we go by now that we didn't go by before. That's a punishment. That ain't, that ain't a reward. That ain't nothing good. But these are the curses that the Most High said he's going to put upon our people for not keeping his rules, y'all. Was it any more of that article? Yeah, the chicken and waffle article. <laughs> now, you can't make this up. It did. The irony of that, the insult of that is so-called Black History Month. Matter of fact, read the rest. Read the scripture again from the, from the beginning. I ain't going to end it yet. Verse 37. So Deuteronomy 28 and 37, y'all. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. So where are we going to be a stereotype? Where are we going to be a a common folk saying (laughs) amongst? Among all nations. Among all nations. It ain't just so-called white people. These stereotypes are worldwide. (laughs) They're international the stereotypes that's put on black, Hispanic, and so-called Native Americans, they have a passport on them. <laughs> All around the world, uh, most Def made a song on that Black on Both Sides album back in the day called Mr. Nigger. He said, when I travel abroad, they got world nigger laws. And that's the truth, man. That is the truth. If we're not God's chosen people, ain't none, y'all. Seriously, there are none. All right, go on with the article. The lunch menu offered on February 1st at Nyack Middle School in Rockland County was inexcusably insensitive 
and reflected a lack of understanding of our district's vision to address racial bias. And, you know, now at this point, man, they know these things. They know what's insulting to us. And I, I bet niggas are eating the truth, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know niggas love chicken and walk on one another. But it's at the point, y'all, they already know these things are insulting to us. They don't care about the blowback. They they do it to get giggles. They do it for, for what they call it, and giggles? Sister giggles. They do it for laughs. They don't care about the back. What what they going to do to them? So what they got bad publicity? They said that there's no such thing as bad publicity. All publicity is good publicity. So they ain't tripping. They still going to sell their lunches to another school. Hell, I bet, I bet they got uh, chicken, waffles, and watermelon on back order right now. <laughs> Come on, man. Just being real about it. All right, let's get the next one. Um, let's get the U.S. Today article on the U.S. Uh, expanses. Yeah, that one. Okay, reported on usatoday.com. All right, y'all, on a more serious note. You know? As of February 2nd, 2023, the U.S. will nearly double its military presence in the Philippines under an agreement announced Thursday, part of an effort to counter China's threats to Taiwan and growing Chinese influence in the Indo-Pacific region. All right, y'all. Because I don't know if y'all heard about the uh, Chinese drones that they had shot down that had been operating over here for quite some time. I guess they just got sick of them and decided to shoot them down. Now, keep this in mind. There's a conflict going on over in Ukraine right now, y'all. And I was bringing out last week how America, I'm sorry, yeah, America and Germany are sending tanks over there. Like America sent uh, tanks and equipment to the USSR back in World War II to help them fight the Nazis. And they sent these things before they entered into the war and that's what I was trying to show last week, that America eventually is going to enter into this war, and this war is the beginning or the war, World War III, which is talked about in the book of Revelation. I brought this out, like I said, last week, last show. Go back and check it out. This is what it's coming to, y'all. And then China is a communist nation, just like Russia. So if America... Matter of fact, let's read on this article. The Philippine government is giving the U.S. temporary access to four more of its domestic military bases. In the Philippines, now, those, that's a, that is a strategic location. When you look at the globe, the Philippines sit right up under China. That is a, a perfect strategic location. And when I, I brought this out last week talking about world war. I don't know if y'all knew this, but World War II was fought basically everywhere. This is how wars, when the world goes to war, this is how it goes. There's no specific place where they're going to be fighting. They be fighting over trade routes, strategic locations. They be trying to starve people out. They put sanctions on them. No different than what they're doing in uh, Russia right now and the sanctions that are opposed to Russia. So America's setting this up. They're setting up for World War III, I'm telling y'all. 
We don't. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Philippines Defense Secretary Carlito Galvez said in Manila, the U.S. will now have access to nine bases across the Philippines. Nine bases, y'all. You see how serious this is? While we uh, worried about crypto, <laughs> while we worried about how Kyrie uh, Irving just got with the, with the Mavs and they're going to win a title this year, while we worried about dumb stuff, this is going on behind the scenes. Read. Though news sites were not officially disclosed, multiple news reports said the U.S. had asked for sites in Cagayan, Palawan, Isabella, and Zambales. The expansion is part of an American Armed Forces realignment. Now, along- I know these places are the places you probably never even heard of. I hadn't heard of them. I had to look them up. They're in the Pacific region, uh, region y'all, what they call the Pacific Pacific Rim. I don't know if y'all remember that movie they made uh, years back about the Pacific Rim. It's actually a real thing. It's not just a movie. But it's talking about in the basically the uh, countries and islands that are in the South China Sea, which sits right next to China. No? Um, the expansion is part of an American Armed Forces realignment along the Pacific Rim. Working with allies, the U.S. will use sites in Japan, Australia, Guam, and the Philippines as quick response bases against possible Chinese attacks. And you know Japan don't want no no smoke from the U.S. Because remember what what the U.S. did to Japan, y'all, World War II. They dropped those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They, They don't want that smoke. So they're allies with the U.S., Australia is has been colonialized by the Brits, so that's another American ally. Guam, remember, was part of the Louisiana Purchase that uh, the Americans bought from the French, so that's a U.S. territory anyway. And the Philippines, uh, I don't know if it's U.S. territory, but uh, America has all types of dealings in the Philippines. So all of these are uh, confederate with the U.S., and like I said, y'all, this is the beginning of World War III, along with the stuff what we got going on over in Russia, and Russia's communist, China's communist, so they're going to stick together. So you're basically going to have those forces against those, the, the Russian forces, the Chinese forces against the U.S. forces and its allies, y'all. World War III is going to pop off. The Bible even tells us that. Let's get Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. <clears throat> Revelation 7 and 1 And after these things I saw four angels standing On the four corners of the earth So the four angels Of the four archangels y'all Michael which is the angel of war Gabriel is the messenger The angel of message Raphael is the angel of healing, and Uriel is the uh, angel of understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So these are the four uh, angels that he saw. This is John the Revelator on the island of Patmos, getting these things revealed to him. He said this is what he saw. He saw, read it again from the top. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on on the four corners of the earth. The four corners of the earth are talking about north, south, east, and west. Read. Holding the four winds of the earth. Holding the four winds. The winds are symbolic 
of the destruction that the Most High is bringing on this place by way of the nations going to war, World War Three. So right now the Most High, the angels are holding all of this back because it ain't happened. So this is the part of the book of Revelation that has not happened yet. A lot of revelations already happened, but what we're reading right now, this has not happened yet. He's holding back the four winds. He's holding back the destruction. He's holding back World War Three right now. Find out his purpose in holding everything back. Read. That the wind should not blow on the earth nor on, on any tree. Ah, uh, yes. The water now with on. Communist Cuba, yes. Cuba is an ally of Russia and China. So they're, they're going to be part of the uh, Russian alliance. Uh, I'm sorry. Read that again for me. That the wind should not blow on the earth, nor mm-hmm. on the sea, nor on any tree. So it's, it's holding the destruction back that the wind is symbolic of the destruction. It says that it don't blow on the sea or the trees, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get Revelation 17 and verse 15 to find out uh, what this sea is symbolic of. This is what's so fascinating about the Bible, y'all. You can use the Bible to break the Bible down. Where we at? Revelation 17:15. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest. The what? Waters. Which thou sawest. So the water, what's the sea full of? Water. So sea, water, same thing. See, the water which you saw, read. Where the whore sitteth mm-hmm. are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the water is symbolic for what? People, peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Now the whore is talking about, and this is a whole other breakdown, brother. It's talking about America. We'll, we'll get to that hopefully one day. But what I, what I came here for to get everybody to see is that the sea is symbolic of people, nations, um, people. All right. He said that it hurt. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1 again. Revelation 7 and 1. Mm-hmm. And after these things, I saw four angels stand on the four corners of the earth. Holding the four winds of the earth. Holding the destruction back. World War Three. read. That the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So we got the sea. The sea is talking about people. So it doesn't destroy the people. And then what is the tree? Let's get Mark chapter 8, verse 24 to break down what the trees are. What the trees. The sea is the pe- the sea is people, nation. And that's why we, why we went to Revelation chapter 17 to verse 15. Now we're going to uh, the book of Mark chapter 8 and verse 24, y'all, to find out what this tree is. Mark 8 and 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see men as trees. He said what? I see men as trees. He said, I see men as trees. So, once again, you can use the Bible to break the Bible down. Allegorically, the tree is talking about men. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1, we're going to go back there now. And you can put it in y'all notes, too. Y'all can also go to Psalms, uh, the first Psalm, I believe it is. Yeah, Psalms chapter 1. 
and read verses one, two, three, and it'll, it'll also uh, break down what trees are. Revelation 7-1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the winds should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So I hope y'all got understanding. Uh, We broke that whole verse down, reading on verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Now, this angel that's coming up is talking about Yahweh Shah, who the world knows as Christ. So he had the living seal, uh, or having the seal of the living God, read. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels. To the four archangels. Once again, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel, read. To whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. So it was given. They were given charge to do this. He told them what, read saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea. Don't hurt the earth. Don't bring on World War Three yet. Read. Nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So he said, don't bring this destruction until we've sealed the servants of God in their forehead. What's in your forehead? <laughs> your mind. All right. So let's get to that seal part. Let's get Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to... Reverse matter of fact, we're gonna start up a little bit. Ephesians chapter one and we wanna get to thirteen, but I wanna let's start at ten. Ephesians one and ten. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So he is talking about the Most High. He's going to gather uh, together uh, all in one. Or he's going to gather together in one all things in Christ. So all the believers of Yahweh Shai, read. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Right. He's talking about in heaven, talking about those spirits that are that already died, the, the martyrs. They're already with the Most High. They're they're coming back. You read that in Thessalonians. Uh, oh man, I forget the chapter. Oh, sorry, y'all. Hold on for a second. I think it's chapter four, Thessalonians. Let me just make sure. Yes, Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. You see this, y'all? The dead in Christ shall rise first. So in Ephesians, where it talks about, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather to one, gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. So this talking about the dead in Christ, and we just read in Thessalonians chapter four and verse uh what verse is that? Verse sixteen. All right, now going back to Ephesians, reading verse ten again, please. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. 
All right. So those are here are the believers of Yahushua of Christ. Even in him. Mm-hmm. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance is the kingdom, y'all. Read. Being predestinated. Being what? Predestinated. It was already preordained who these people are that's going to inherit the kingdom. Read. According to him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The Most High's will. Read on. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Who first took all this talking about the believers. Who believes in Christ? Now, to believe in Christ, to believe in Yahweh Shai, you have to believe in the commandments. Because it tells us in Galatians, the third chapter, that uh, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. So you can't have just Christ by himself. You've got to have a law, too. You've got to have both. Read on. In whom ye also trusted. And, and what is that we trust in? In Christ. We trust in Christ. Christ's way of doing things, not our way, Christ's way. Not what religions say about Christ, but what the Bible says about Christ. Read. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel of what? Of your salvation. The good news, that's what the word gospel means. The good news of our salvation is that us being saved from the hands of our enemies and all that hate us, you read that in Luke chapter 1. Michelle was doing an excellent series on this, what salvation is, biblical salvation. The gospel of your salvation, read. In whom also, after that, ye believe. After you what? After that, ye believe. After that, you believe. But how do you believe? Hold this and get St. John chapter 7, verse 38, please. After that, ye believe. But how do we believe? John seven thirty eight, he that believeth on me. Now this is in red, so this is Christ speaking. If you believe in Christ, read. Scripture hath said. As the what? As the Scripture hath said. If I'm going to say I'm a believer in Christ, I have to believe what the Scriptures say. Old Testament and New Testament. It's one book, y'all. He said I come in the volume of the book, not I come in half of it. The volume, both volumes, all volumes, all of the books. But this is how you believe. You believe what the scriptures say. Going back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 again. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit. You were what? Sealed. You with... were sealed. Because we did all of this, y'all, to get what it's talking about in Revelation, the seventh chapter. And I believe it's verse two, where it talks about being sealed. Don't hurt the earth until the, the, the servants of the living God are sealed in their foreheads. So this is the seal that you believe. But how do you believe? As the scriptures say. Not your opinion. This is how you believe. And I, I want Israel that think just because they keep the commandments that thinking that they're going to make it. It's way more than that. Give me Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Because remember, he said you've got to believe. You have to believe in the way Christ did things. What the scriptures say, 
the way the scriptures say Christ wants things to be handled, not you, not your opinion, because there are certain things that Christ did that was not in the law. We have to remember that. Am I saying you have to keep the law? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you have to keep the law and you have to have the faith of Christ, of Yahweh Shah. So Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Now listen right. to this. 14 and 22. Matter of fact, go to verse. No, I'll just go straight to the point. Go ahead. Confirming the souls of the disciples. Confirming. What does it mean to be confirmed? <laughs> Made sure. Made sure to be vetted. You're in this. You truly believe. So the most high going to vet us. Do you believe or not? It ain't just because you keep, keep the commandments. Do you believe in the book, the whole book? Read. And exhorting them to continue in the faith. Exhort to me, exhort me to inspire, inspire them to continue in the faith. Read. And that we must through much tribulation. Through much what? Tribulation. You're going to go through something. It ain't going to be all hunky-dory just because you got the book, just because you know who you are, that you know you're his light. It ain't going to be uh, easy street. Hell, that's when the, the battle starts. It says us through much tribulation, or we must through much tribulation, read. Enter into the kingdom of God. So how are you going to get to the kingdom? Through much tribulation. Through much tribulation is not going to be an easy path. It's not an easy journey. Now let's get Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's find out why this tribulation is important, why it is necessary, why it's needed. Romans 5, 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Being justified by what? By faith. By faith. By the belief in the Bible. Read. We have peace with God. And this is how you get peace. Peace of mind with the Most High. This is how you don't have the Most High coming against you because you believe in the book and you operate it. Read. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Read on. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This is the only way we get a grace period. And and grace means an amount of time to get yourself together. We only have this grace period because we believe. And because we believe, the most time understands what? We perfect. They still a work in progress. They still trying to get together. Read. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Now, now this is where I want this is where I want to come to. This is the y'all. Because it says too much tribulation to get to the kingdom. Why is the tribulation needed? It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. That's not crazy. Why would anybody glory in tribulation? This is why. Knowing that tribulation work is patient. Because you going through something, you're going to develop your patience to do what? To wait for the most high, to depend on the most high, to have faith in the most high. So it says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, read. And patience experience. And your patience, you having to wait for the most high, who's going through your tribulation, is going to give you what? Experience. Now you're going to be experienced. Man, the most high took me through this before, though. I know how to get through this. The scriptures say this. The scriptures say we should do this. 
Uh, this is how I should move. This is how we should maneuver through this right here. I've been through this before, and I use this scripture. Now you got the experience to where now, if, if the tribulation happens to you again, the same tribulation or different tribulation, you can depend on the book to help you through it. And not only that, you can help other people go through what you've already been through because why? You got the experience. This is the patient's going to work experience and read on. <clears throat> and verse four. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And this is how you get your faith built <laughs> through the experiences that you've been through, and the faith that you had in using the book to help you navigate through all those tribulations. That builds your faith. So we talked about the seal. These are the ones that are going to be sealed, y'all. Not just because you put on fringes. Not just because you put on a head wrap. Not just because you oh, keep the Sabbath. Not because not you holy as him thou. Do you honestly believe in the book? Operate and move in the way that the book wants you to. Now let's get Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Romans 8 and 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, it's asking a question. And remember, it said who, meaning a person, right? But check this, check this out. Read. Shall tribulation? <laughs> that ain't a person. But it's like, you know what? People are going to cause you tribulation. <laughs> Is tribulation going to separate you from the love of Yahweh, child, from the love of Christ? No, we just read in Romans. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, that that tribulation is going to work your patience, which builds on your experience, which builds on your faith. So it said, read it again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Is any of this going to separate us from the love of Christ? Not if you truly believe. Not if you truly believe in the scriptures. And the scriptures say we're going to go. Remember it said in Acts, y'all. <laughs> it says we through much tribulation going to enter into the kingdom. That's the only way to get in there. Read on. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. There's a lot of us going to die because we believe. Read. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We, it's a setup. <laughs> it's a setup. Did you know we were being set up by Yahusha? What did you think? When his death was set up, we're following him, right? So our death is going to be set up too. It's already set up. Remember, it tells in the, in the season we were preordained. Read. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than what? Conquerors. The victory is ours, y'all. If we, if we stay, if we believe, well, we're only conquerors through who? Through him that loved us. Through, through Yahweh Shai that loved us enough to die for us, to show us the right way of do, doing things, and to give his life for people that betrayed him and didn't appreciate it. Ain't that something? But this is the seal that it's talking about in Revelation chapter 7. Let's go back there now in verse 3. Let that go. Yeah, you let that go. 
I know I'm running a little bit over y'all, but it's all good, man. I, I'm, and I, I've been I've been saying this to myself, but today I'm finally doing it. I got to stop rushing. I, I I I went back and listened to one of the broadcasts, man. I, I be rushing. I do a lot of rushing. I got to slow my roll. Revelation seven. Revelation chapter seven and uh, verse three. Saying, "Hurt not the earth." neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And what is the seal? We just went through it, y'all, all those scriptures. Yes, you definitely got to keep the commandments, but you have to have the faith of Christ also. You have to believe in the scriptures. You have to have faith in the scriptures that they work, that they're valuable, that it's going to help you. It's just like... Um, the scriptures should be a, a fire extinguisher to you, if I could use any analogy. If it's a fire, you're going to do what? Drive that fire extinguisher to put the fire out, right? That's the way the scriptures should be to you, man. If, if there's a fire going on, some drama going on, let me go out a book. Let me see the book say. Now let me implement it. But you got you to gotta know how to use it. Just like a, a, a damn um, fire uh, extinguisher. <laughs> you better know how to use it. Because the fire extinguisher is good, but if you don't know how to use it, <laughs> it ain't no use, no no use of no use to you if you don't know how to use it. Hope everybody's getting this, man. So that is the seal. Now, uh, did you read the rest of that? Okay. Being sealed in the forehead, right? So let's get Jeremiah sixteen and sixteen. Still dealing with being sealed in our foreheads, uh, sealed in our minds. And all of this is going uh, stemming from the article that I read about uh, the World War III that is coming soon. Jeremiah 16, 16. Uh, start at verse 14. Let's read in context. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth, that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Because this is, is this was our claim to fame, y'all. Still is. But it says the day is coming <laughs> where that ain't going to be our claim to fame no more that the Most High brought us about it. Egypt out of that captivity. Read. But the Lord... But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north. From the land of where? The north. From the land of the north. Where are we at? North America. Read. And from all the lands whither he had driven them. And not just North America or the Americas, but from all the places the Most High scattered us. That's going to be our claim to fame. Now, remember, it says, therefore, behold, the days come. Meaning this has not happened yet, y'all. We have not been delivered from all the places the Most High scattered Israel. All over the globe. Read. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. The New Jerusalem that's talked about in Revelation, the 21st chapter. Read. Behold, I will send for many fishers. The Most High going to send for many fishers to fish us out, to get his people out. Out of captivity, read. Saith the Lord, and they shall fish them, and after will I send many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, 
and <clears throat> and from every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. The Most High is going to be looking for Israelites high and low. But which particular Israelites? Those that have that seal, that have that mark. Let's get uh, Ezekiel chapter 9 and verse 4. Remember, y'all, this is tying in with Revelation chapter 7, verse 3, where it talks about us being sealed. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, talking about the people, Israel, read, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry. Where's this mark going to be set at? Upon the foreheads. Now, remember, Revelation said that we were going to be sealed in our foreheads. So here's talking about a mark upon our foreheads, talking about our brains. And what's going to be in our brains? Read. For all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. So we were going to be sighing and crying in our minds. We were going to be upset, angry, sad about all the abominations that's going on through our people. The black-on-black crime, the domestic violence, the abortion, the sodomite, the, uh, and I'm talking about homosexuality, y'all, in case y'all not familiar. Um, all the uh, murderers, murdering, murdering each other, uh, talking bad to each other, fighting with one another. All of those abominations that we're crying. That's what's going on in our mental, but it says a mark was going to be set on these particular individuals, these Israelites, read. That sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others, he said in my hearing, go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. So a lot of us don't die. We talk about to the others, we talk about those who don't believe, those that ain't living right, those that uh, think, those that just don't know, y'all, and those that are doing all the abominations in verse 4 that it's talking about, those people, read. I mean, remember, Zechariah tells us that two-thirds of us got to die anyway. Talking about those people, read. Verse 6, slay utterly old and young both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. A lot of us going to die, old, young, children, but those that have that mark, that seal, that believe, that's been keeping the commandments, he said don't go near them, do not go near them. Keep them safe, read. And begin at my sanctuary. When the most I said begin at his sanctuary, we're talking about begin at his people, read. Then they, then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house. Time. His people. Now let's get Matthew chapter 24, verse 38. This is the last one I'm going to get dealing with this topic, and then I'm going to go into my uh, class topic, y'all. That's like, how should I get Matthew chapter 24, verse 38, and then I want you to go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 3 again, just so we can get it all in context, context and nobody's lost. <clears throat> Matthew 24. No, read Revelation first. 
7 and 3. Revelation 7 and 3. Saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, we, I went through the seals, what the seals is, and I hope everybody's getting it. All of us are not going to make it. All of us are not going to make it. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 38. Matthew 24 and 38. For as in the days that were before the flood. Remember this, y'all. The days that were before the flood, read. They were eating and drinking. People were partying and living it up during the days of Noah, before the flood. And Noah was doing the whole time what? Evangelizing. One of the people of the destruction that was going to come, and they wasn't listening. No different than us out on the street corners, on YouTube, on uh, social media platforms, warning our people of the destruction that's coming, and nobody's listening. They just partying, turned up, hitting the club, hitting the bar. Giving in marriage. Now, we know that marriage is sex according to the Bible, so it's saying a lot of people are going to be boning. Just like now, everybody's boning. Read. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Right. It says Noah in the Greek, or Noah in the Greek, but it's talking about Noah. To the day Noah entered in, he got into the ark and shut the door. <laughs> Read. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And they didn't know. It was too late. They're trying to go banging on the, on the doors of the, uh, the ark. It's too late, homie. This is the way our people are going to be in this time. It's going to be... What's the scripture? It's too late to apologize. It's too late. It's too late. So get that that belief that you won't be able to drop the one knee and all this other crap when Christ come back and repent. It's too late. Read. And took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's how the day of the Lord is going to be. Remember, it says that Christ is coming like a what? Say, I don't think they heard you. Feast in the night. I don't think they heard you. Feast in the night. You can't prepare for a feast. What verse do you say? Uh, we just finished studying. Read on. Then shall two be in the field. Now listen to this. There's going to be two people in the field, read. The one shall be taken. And one, one person is going to be taken, beamed up in what the world calls an unidentified flying object, which we know biblically, that's the chariot. That's the most... the Transportation that the Most High used to, to to move around. He's going to use those transportation to get us up out of here. So one going to be took, read, and the other left, and next, the person next one will be left. Read. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. Mm-hmm. The one shall be taken, and the other left. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about the end of days. Matthew, the twenty-fourth chapter. This is what it's talking about. The wars, rumors of the world, wars, uh, earthquakes in diverse places. Y'all know y'all heard about the earthquake that was just over in Turkey. It's all over the news. Wars, rumors of wars. We just read about the wars. We're in those times right now. Read. Watch therefore. He says what? Watch therefore. No, live your best life. Watch therefore. Don't be paying attention to the news. Watch. Therefore, uh, just be on social media all the damn time talking about nothing. Watch, therefore. Christ said we're supposed to be watchful. We're supposed to be watching out for these things, these signs, read. 
For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. We don't know the hour that Christ is coming back is. Contrary to what you've heard, what some people have been taught, somebody or they, they predicted that Christ is coming back. Man, the Bible says we don't know. Read. But know this. Read that part again. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. We don't know. Brothers. Stop trying to come up with a time chart of when Christ is coming back. It's dangerous. Haven't we learned anything from 2000? For us Israelites, it's been in a minute. Been in this for a minute. We know what happened in 2000. Stop that, y'all. No man knows. Yes, I'm going over Revelations. Yes, I'm bringing the articles out. But the truth of the matter is, this is only the beginning. But we don't know when Christ is coming back for sure. All right, that's it. Um, did you want to stop up to 42 or did you want to go to 43? Is that 42 right there? We finished 42. All right, cool. That's as far as I wanted to go. All right, y'all. So we're going to transition over now to the topic at hand. So never wax tell the uh, captivity of the southern kingdom. And I believe, I believe this is part four. Uh, so where are we at? Let's go where I want to do. <laughs> Grab this right here. Give me just a second, y'all. So if you're still tuned in, y'all, I'm transitioning over to the topic at hand. Which one is this? Maybe it's this one. There we go. All right. So this will get us caught up, I think. Let's go to the Jerusalem timeline. And if you can, I'll like, find 586. Uh, no, five, 539. 538. Mm-hmm. You got that? Yeah, that's it. Read that. From Wikipedia, Persian Achaemenid period, 539 BCE, Jerusalem becomes part of the Eber Nari satrapy of the Achaemenid Empire after King Cyrus the Great conquers the Neo Babylonian Empire by defeating. Nabonidus at the Battle of Opus. All right. So this is the uh, rise to power of the Persian Empire, also known as the, what is it, Archimedes? Archimedes? How you say the word? Archimedes. Archimedes. Uh, period. All right. So let's go to uh, Daniel chapter 7, y'all. And... We're going to be going back and forth through Daniel chapter 7 throughout this uh, series, y'all, just for edification purposes, man, and to show how the Bible is truly a dependable book. So let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Mm-hmm. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. So, Belshazzar was uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son. Now, this is uh, the Babylonian uh, dynasty that's still in power. 
but then you had this dream. Now, we opened up with uh, the Jerusalem timeline and the Persian and Mede Empire coming into power, which they did around 539, uh, 538. The Babylonians, they came into power around 586 B.C., and the Babylonians, I don't know if I got this last class, but the Babylonians would be your current day uh, so-called Ethiopians, y'all. So this is them or their king having this dream. Uh, read on the verse 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. So the four winds, um, what was it? So the four winds, of, this is talking about destruction. The four winds or the four, I'm sorry, not destruction, the four nations um, of the earth show upon the great sea. So these four uh, winds is talking about four kingdoms of four nations, and it talks about uh, the winds of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get this. Daniel chapter 2, y'all. Get what heaven is. Them striving or stroving, meaning that they were going to war. So these four nations were going to war, y'all. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 2 and let me get the word. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 7. Because it did say the four winds of heaven. Or uh, Daniel spake and said, I saw my vision by night. And behold, the four winds, which are four nations, it says, of the heaven strove upon the great sea. So these four winds come on four different nations. The striving is them going to war. But where is the heaven at? Is it talking about? Uh, up in the sky where the most high and the angels are. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about this right here. Where you at? Daniel chapter 2, verse 7. Mm-hmm. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me catch up with you, because I don't want to read all of that. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. Remember, y'all, we're dealing with... um, What heaven is referred to in Daniel chapter 7 Read this Daniel 2 and 20 Daniel answered and said Be the name of God forever and ever For wisdom and might are his Read And he changes the times and the seasons So who changes the times and seasons? God The most high does Read And he changes the times and the seasons He removes kings and setteth up kings so the Most High removes kings and he set kings up in the realm of what's also known as heaven. Read. He giveth wisdom unto the wise mm-hmm. and knowledge to them that know understanding. Time. So this is what the Most High does. He puts me in power, takes me out of power. This is the heaven that he's talking about. 
Because when you uh, when you have your heaven, you ever heard the saying heaven on earth? When you set up your heaven on earth, things are the way you want it to be. In order for things to be the way you want it to be, you have to be in rulership, power, and authority. So this is what it's talking about going back to day chapter 7 and verse uh, 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. So these four kingdoms were fighting for the realm of heaven, which is control, powership, rulership, authority on the earth. It says upon the great sea. Now, we got this already when I was breaking down the news, but let's get it again to break down what the sea is. Let's get Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15. Just to break down what the sea is, y'all. Revelation seventeen fifteen, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. All right. So that's what the sea represents. The sea is full of waters. All right. So everybody's getting that. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. And we were in verse, uh, what, 3? Yep. Mm-hmm. Read that. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. He says that these beasts were different. And they said it came up from the sea, which we know that the sea is talking about nations and people. It said that they were different from one another, and he called them beasts. So let's get what the beasts are, because it ain't talking about no animals. So jump over to verse 17 and get what the beasts are. Same chapter, 17 verse. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings. So these great beasts, which are four, four kings. You see this, y'all? It ain't talking about no animals. It ain't the wild kingdom. It's talking about four kings. Read. Which shall arise out of the earth. This which shall arise out of the earth. This goes all the way back to verse 2 where it says uh, the four winds. It was talking about four kings, the four different nations fighting for power, man. Hope y'all are seeing this. Now, uh, go to Daniel chapter, jump over, same chapter, read verse 4 now. 7-4? Mm-hmm. The first was like a lion. So he's going to describe what these kings, which are referred to as beasts in uh, verse 3, is talking about. The first beast was like a lion, or the first king was like a lion, read. And had eagle's wings. And had eagle's wings. So this first beast is talking about the Babylonians, which came into power mm-hmm. around 586 B.C. And mm-hmm. like I say, that would be your parent-day Ethiopians. When it talks about uh, they had eagle wings or was a lion and had eagle's wings, this was the emblem of the Babylonian Empire. They got that emblem from the Assyrians who they took out of power. And they adopted for themselves, and you would call an eagle eagle with, I'm uh, sorry, a lion with eagle's wing. You call it a griffin, but that's what that was their emblem. And the Bible's bad. I'm telling you. Read on. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth. So when it says that the wings were plucked, that is that them coming into power? Read. 
and made stand upon the feet as a man. Mm-hmm. And a man's heart was given to it. He's talking about Nebuchadnezzar being that man. Read on verse 5. And behold, another beast. Another beast or another king. A second like to a bear. He said that this one was like a bear. Now, this is ushering in the Persian Mede Empire, which came into power around 538, which we just got off the Jerusalem timeline. But it says, and behold, another beast, a second, like a bear. Bears are known for their ferociousness. And the Persian and Medes, they were known for their ferocious army. And it raised up itself on one side. So when it says it raised up itself on one side, the Persian and Medes were two kingdoms, two empires that joined together. It was a confederate. And the Persians were stronger than the Medes. So when it says it raised itself up on one side, it's referring to the, the Persians being stronger than the Medes. Read. And it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. The three ribs, once again, all this is symbolism, y'all. The three ribs that it's talking about is the three kingdoms that they had to take out in order for them to come into power. And that first kingdom being the Egyptians. And I don't know if y'all caught the show last week and the week before that, but I was going over how how Israel kept trying to form an alliance with the Egyptians to take the Assyrians out. So after the Egyptians uh, were destroyed back in Exodus, they didn't become a world superpower again, but they still had some power and some control. But back to the point, the three ribs that the Babylonians, I'm sorry, that the Persian Medes had to take out, was the Egyptians first, the Lydians, and then the uh, Assyrians. Now, I got this. I'm going to read this to y'all just to show how history, all of it lines up. Read this right here. You tell them where you're reading from. From Britannica.com. Mm-hmm. Lydia, ancient land of western Anatolia. Extending east from the Aegean Sea. Now, Anatolia is known, where it used to be known as Asia Minor, y'all. Today, it's commonly referred to as the so-called Middle East, all right? But the Lydians had control over that rift, and that's who, that was one of the rifts that was talked about in Daniel, the seventh chapter, the uh, Persian Medes had to take out before they could come into power. So read on about the Lydian. And occupying the valleys of the Hermes and Caesar rivers, mm-hmm. the Lydians were said to be the originators of gold and silver coins. Mm-hmm. During their brief hegemony over Asia Minor from the middle of the 7th to the middle of the 6th century B.C., the Lydians profoundly influenced the Ionian Greeks to their west. So, and this is who the Greeks were influenced by because we know that the Greeks are called white people, which are not original. I just want to bring that out, y'all, to show how the Bible is on point. All right, so let's go back to um, where we at? Daniel chapter 7 and verse 5 again. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, mm-hmm. and it had three ribs in the mouth of it mm-hmm. between the teeth of it. Mm-hmm. 
And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. We're talking about the Persian and Medes, and they were told to rise and devour much flesh, which means to rise and conquer, conquer many nations. All right, y'all. Uh, boom. Now let's get. Daniel chapter 10, and I want to start at verse 1. Just to show how the Bible all links together. Because Daniel chapter 7 and verse, we read the verse 5, which is, uh, enters the Persian Mede Empire that was led by uh, Cyrus was the king of the Persians and Darius was the king of the Medians. So now we're going to Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1 and we're going to jump around a little bit. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, mm-hmm. a thing was revealed unto Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. So Daniel kept getting these uh, dreams revealed to him. And remember, y'all, Daniel was in the captivity of the Babylonians, and now here's Daniel going through another captivity under the Persian and Mede Empire. Read. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So he understood, he had understanding of the vision. Uh, now jump to verse 12. Verse 12. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel. He said what? Now the he, the, the person that's talking now is Yahweh Shai. Matter of fact, um, yeah, we got time. Go back over, read uh, verse 2. I'm sorry, y'all. Correct y'all notes. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel went on the fast, read. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which was which is Hedekel, then I lift up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. Now this person that he's describing is talking about Christ, talking about Yahweh Shai. So he says that uh this man had on linen and revelations down the revelation uh, down the revelator's vision of Yahweh Shai in Revelations the first chapter verses uh, thirteen through fifteen gives the same description but uh, in different details and then Daniel gives that same description in more detail which lets you know that the garment that he had on was made out of linen because in Revelations it tells you that it was the color green. Which says barrel. The word barrel means green. So read it on. A certain man clothed in linen 
whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphrates. And in Revelations, it also mentions Christ wearing a girdle. Here we find out that he had on a golden girdle. Read. His body also was like the barrel. Oh, this one says the barrel. Okay, which means green. Read. And his face as the appearance of lightning. Mm Mm-hmm. And his eyes as lamps of fire. Because in Revelation it tells you his eyes is red. Read. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. So in Revelation it says burnt brass or burnt in the furnace. But here it says polished brass. The way you polish brass is, is actually the finishing process. You have to burn the impurities out of it. So same description, but it's talking about Christ. Read. And the voice. Of his words, like the voice of a multitude. Read on. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Mm-hmm. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. Mm-hmm. But a great quaking fell upon them, mm-hmm. so that they fled to hide themselves. Read on. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned into me, turned in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. So then you lost his strength. The vision zapped him of his strength, man. He, he didn't have nothing left. Read. Uh, yeah, verse 9. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face. And my face toward the ground. Wow. So it sounded like he fainted. Read. And behold, a hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the, palm, the palms of my hands. Mm-hmm. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken his word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, so for... it scared the hell out of so remember, this was, this was Yahushai speaking to Daniel. He saw this. Read. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. So he said, man, the first day when you fasted and you started praying, I heard your words. Read. And I am come for thy words. And I've come to talk to you, to rap to you, to hear what else you got to say, read. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, this is where I want to get to, y'all. Read that again. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia. He said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, read. Withstood me one and twenty days. One and twenty days. So, 21 days. You you might say, what the hell is, is Christ talking about? The king of Persia withstood him. That king of Persia is talking about Cyrus, Darius, the Mede, them coming into power. Read on. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now, Michael is talking about the archangel. One of the archangels is talking about Revelation. I hope y'all seeing this. Read. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. With the kings, plural. <laughs> y'all see that, right? The kings, plural, two kings, Cyrus being the king of the Persians, theirs being the kings, kings of me. But what is Christ talking about right here, y'all? So let's get uh, 
Yeah, my handwriting is sometimes all jacked up. Let's get second Maccabees. What was first? No, second. Second Maccabees chapter five. Chapter five, and we're gonna start at verse. Um, let's start at verse one. Matter of fact, how's that? Mm-hmm. Before you get that, let's get Ephesians first. Ephesians chapter six. So like I said, I know people have been like, "What? What? What is he talking about right there in the book of Daniel?" Christ talking about the prince of Persia, which stood him. So let's do some edifying. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, read that. Put on the whole armor of God, mm-hmm. that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we know the armor of the Most High is the scriptures, his word, right? Mm-hmm. Now watch this, read verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, physical things, read. But against principalities. Against what? Principalities. Against principalities. Now, I want you to read the definition for principalities out of the Zonazan. Some people might not know what a principality is. Because remember, it says to put on the whole armor of the Most High, which is the scripture. So why would it say to put scriptures on if on be wrestling? But it said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning it's not a physical war. It's not a physical battle. But it says, uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So what's a principality? Principalities from the Zondervan Bible Dictionary. Rule. Ruler. Order of powerful angels and demons. There's the order of what? Powerful angels and demons. We wrestle against powerful angels or demons, things we can't see. So there is a spiritual realm, y'all. I want us to understand this. There is a spiritual realm that we cannot see. It's all throughout the Bible. We're going to prove it. Now go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 again. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. Against uh, fleshly wickedness? Spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness, y'all. Read. In high places. In high places. Now let's prove that. Now let's go to Maccabees. 2 Maccabees chapter 5. We'll start at verse 1. Now remember Christ said, he told Daniel, hey, Daniel, I heard you. I was coming, but I was held up. Because the prince of Persia, he, he withstood me uh, one in 20 days. I mean, this dude, was he was ferocious, man. He was really fighting. Like it, it told us in Daniel, the seventh chapter, that uh, the dude or the, the beast stood up like a bear, right? It's talking about the Persian meat ferocious army. Now watch this. Just to prove that there is spiritual warfare going on that we can't see. Read this. Second Maccabees of the Apocrypha, chapter 5, and verse 1. About the same time, Antiochus prepared his second voyage into Egypt. Now, this is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. I believe this is talking about the fifth. 
I, I, I think it's who he's talking about. So he prepared his voyage to go into Egypt. So he was going into Egypt to overtake Egypt. Read. And then it happened that through all the city, for the space almost of 40 days, there were seen horsemen running in the air in cloth of gold. There was there was horsemen running where? In the air. In the air. If you don't know nobody you're reading this, oh, they had flying horses. That ain't what it's talking about, y'all. It says everybody was seeing this in the city. These horses was running in the air, read. In cloth of gold. Better soldiers in the air just fighting one another. This before physically arrived there. People were seeing this already. Oh, read. And troops of horsemen in array, encountering and running in, running one against another, with shaking of shields. Well, what was it? What does it sound like to y'all? Yeah. It sounds like war. They were seeing this war play out, but where? Read. And multitude of pikes, and drawing of swords, and casting of darts, and glittering of golden ornaments, and harness of all sorts. Wherefore, every man prayed that that apparition... That what? That that apparition... Now look up the word apparition. Apparition, an unusual or unexpected sight. Unusual or unexpected sight. Read a phenomenon, mm-hmm. a ghostly figure. A what? Ghostly figure. A ghostly figure. They were seeing spirits fighting in the air. Before any physical war took place, what was taking place first? A spiritual warfare, like it tells us in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I hope everybody's seeing this. So when in Daniel chapter 10, in verse 13, when Yahweh Shai said, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days, but lo, Michael, an archangel, <laughs> one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. This was talking about that spiritual warfare going on, the changing of power before it happened in the physical realm of man. I hope everybody's understanding this. All right. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. Hope everybody's still with me. So we're dealing with the Persian Mede Empire, which came into power around 586, no, 539, 538 BC. Yeah, 45. So we're going to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. To who? Cyrus. Who was Cyrus again? <laughs> he was the. Um, Hold on, y'all. I got you. I got Thus said the Lord to Cyrus. All right. Tell them where you're reading from. From the Holman Bible Atlas. Now, this is a secular source. It's right here. Page 165. Cyrus the Great. Cyrus began his rapid rise to power as the king 
of Anshan. He overthrew his Median overlords, Astyages, and plundered the Median capital. So he overtook the Median capital. Read. Uh, and, plumbed, and plundered the Median capital, Ecbatana, in 550 B.C. Cyrus established his capital at Pasargade, perhaps to commemorate a nearby victory over Median forces. Cyrus then moved against the Lydian king, Croesus. And we already read that. We already read that. So he conquers the Medians. They become part of his empire, and then they go and conquer the Lydians. And those are three ribs that was talking about in Daniel chapter seven, chapter the Egyptians, the Lydians, and the Assyrians. Reading on, achieving final victory in 546 BC when Sardis fell to Persian forces. The Ionian Greek cities of West Asia Minor also under force of arms, came under Persian control. The subjection of the Ionians... That's it? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The subjection of the Ionians by Cyrus began a period of great tensions between the Greeks and Persians. All right, so they had tensions, right? The Greeks and Persians. Remember, keep that in mind, y'all. Now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 45, and we're going to read verse 1 again. Cyrus was a real person. Isaiah 45 and 1. Thus saith the Lord, who is anointed, Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. So this is the Most High raising Cyrus up into power and giving him power. the, the means to gain power, rulership, and control, and control over the earth. Read. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. Hmm. Go ahead. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in thunder the bars of iron. Mm-hmm. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, mm-hmm. that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, and the God of Israel. So, and this, uh, I love this, man. So even though the Most High appeared to Cyrus and said, hey, Cyrus, you're going to be my servant. I'm going to use you for this purpose. He's still letting Cyrus know who he's the God of. He's the God of Israel. Because remember, the Persian and Medes, they worship other gods. They worship Baal and all those other gods, no different than the Assyrians did and the Babylonians did. The Most High is like, I'm the God of Israel. Read on. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So, we're going to find out why. Read on. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Because remember, he worshiped other gods. So, he's telling Cyrus, hey, the other gods you worship, they ain't nothing. There is no other God besides me, homie. Read. There is no God besides me. Mm-hmm. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. He's, I've been protecting you even though you don't know me. Because remember, he sees the God of Israel, not the God of the whole world. Mm-hmm. The other nations didn't know him. Now, jump down to verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 11. 
Isaiah 45, 11. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Mm-hmm. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. Most highly, you know, the buck stops with him, read. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. So he's talking about Cyrus. I raised him up in righteousness, and I'm directing all his ways, read. He shall build my city. What What is the most high uh, raised Cyrus up for? He shall build my city. Now, remember, the first temple was destroyed by, by the Babylonians, y'all, under Nebuchadnezzar. Now the most high is raising Cyrus up to say, hey, you know what? You're going to rebuild my city, which is Jerusalem. Read. And he shall let go my captives. And you're going to let all the Israelites that the Babylonians took into captivity, that you took into captivity, you're going to let them go. Read. Not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. You're going to let them go for free. Read. Thus saith the Lord, the labor of Egypt. Hold on, wait a minute. That's all I wanted to get. Now let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 36. So this is the most high commissioning Cyrus with a job that he wanted him to do, which was to send the Israelites back. Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So Second Chronicles chapter thirty six, y'all. There, guys. Second Chronicles chapter thirty six, verse twenty two. Verse twenty two. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. Y'all see it? We just read that. We just read that out of Isaiah. Heard up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith King Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, remember, who stirred him up this way? The Most High. We just read how Most High had a job for him, what he was commissioned to do. Read. All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. Because he understood the Most High gives power and authority to whoever he wants to give it to. He tells us that in Daniel. He gives it to the basis of men, he said. Cyrus understood this, that the Most High put him in power. Read. Which is in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And he said, I'm sorry, read that part again. Yeah. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all of the earth have the Lord of God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord, his God, be with him and let him go up. So this was Cyrus commissioning the Israelites that were in captivity under the Babylonians, the Persian Mede Empire, to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Hope you all see this. Now let's get uh, Ezra. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 1. We got like three minutes left. 
Ezra 1 and 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there, who is there among you of all his people. His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts besides the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So, like I said, if you don't understand uh, so far, this is Cyrus sending us back, sending the southern kingdom back to rebuild Jerusalem destruction of the first temple. Read. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold and goods and with beasts and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Mm-hmm. Also, Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his God. Okay, I see that. Read. Even those did Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithridath, the treasurer, and numbered them unto Sheshbazar. The prince of Judah And this is the number of them Thirty chargers of gold A thousand chargers of silver Nine and twenty knives Now we, This is a good place to stop I want to understand that this is us Being sent back by Cyrus To rebuild the first temple In Jerusalem Ezra was a part of that Nehemiah was a part of that Zerubbabel I believe was a part of that also Um but I want us to keep in mind also that not all of us returned from Babylon. A lot of us stayed, y'all. A lot of us stayed. That's important as we move on and we get into the New Testament. But I hope everybody got some understanding from the class, uh, the Wada Meshava for hooking up the broadcast. And thanks for everybody that's tuning in and supporting Blog Talk. And until next Tuesday, y'all, Lord willing, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tazapah. Tuesday. Tazapah. Tuesday. Tazapah. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say Shalom. Shalom.